Um, I think the next time that we're together, because I want to cover a lot of territory tonight, I do want to take some EDMs the next time, so be thinking about that. And I'd like to hear from, again, for next time, I'd love to hear from some of you that who did indeed embrace the baptism in the Holy Spirit and that you've seen a marked difference or how has that impacted where you are right now in your life because I'd love to hear some stories on that but we're going to move on so if you have your Bible go ahead and go to Acts chapter 19 and be in that place I am going to have some scriptures on the screen tonight we don't always do that on Wednesday night but I feel like the topic is going to be important enough and uh, I'm going to be using various uh, English translations tonight New Living Translation English Standard Version I think I've got the 1984 NIV version in there. It's my favorite version of the NIVs. So we'll do that later. And so I'm going to move quickly through a couple of things. Five foundational constructs. You can look up at the screen. I'm going to read them off and you can look at it with me. Our passion, let me just turn this down. Our passion, when I say our, I'm saying we as a people, me. Our passion is to be faithful to the Scriptures and not to shy away from difficult, confusing, or controversial passages. We will engage our study with our eyes wide open, our ears ready to hear, and our hearts in tune with and yielded to the Holy Spirit as our teacher. There is one agenda here, and His name is Jesus. Number two of the foundational construct, our desire should be this. Father, I want everything you have for me, nothing more, nothing less. And that ought to become just almost a prayer for you as you open your Bible, as you worship on a Sunday morning, or when you meet with a life group, if you're part of a group. That should be an ongoing prayer. Lord, I want everything you have for me. Nothing more, nothing less. And what that does, it actually sets up tremendous boundaries in your life. And there's a whole layers of stuff I'll unpack for you someday. But I, just, I want you to lean into what we're doing. Father, I want everything you have for me. Nothing more, nothing less. See the boundaries there? but you're saying, I want all you have for me. And so this opens us to us, uh, opens us, opens up, this opens us, there it is, to his fullness and his purpose, as well as provides a healthy boundary as we study deep, think well, and honestly scrutinize our past and our current theological positions. I don't know about you, I had a friend one time who came up and he gave me an MP3, and he had like... 50 of my sermons burned onto a CD in MP3 format. He was so proud of that, and I didn't have the heart to tell Eric, but I, I got rid of that as soon as possible. Because they were from several years back, and I had grown so much through a season of life that I don't, I, probably the heresy all over those things. I don't know. You know, we're learning, we're growing. And here's the thing we're all growing, we're at different places, and so it's actually enjoyable. When you sort of lighten up and just say, I appreciate where you are. Because the beauty of it, if you're a child of God and you're wanting to grow, you will grow. And so I can appreciate the point. If you're way beyond me, I can appreciate it and learn from you. If you're not, then maybe I can help you, you know, move further down the road. So we want to think well. We want to honestly scrutinize our past and our current theological positions. Here's the deal. I don't have this thing figured out. I am not, I remember Hank Hanegraaff had a program called The Bible Answer Man. I'm like, well, that's a pretty audacious title. And uh, he was quite audacious on some things. I didn't always agree with Hank Han The Bible Answer Man. But I'm not that. 
So I'm a fellow journeyman with you. So we're on a journey together. We're learning, we're exploring. And uh, it's not uncommon for somebody to come to me in between services. Steve came out and brought me a great point on Sunday morning between the first and second service. And I actually leaned into that and used it because I'm here to learn too. We're all in this together. So we're growing and we're learning. So let's be honest about our past and our current theological position where we're at. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm not fully formed yet. So we're still growing. Number three, we will let the Bible interpret the Bible where possible, and we will engage the Scriptures with the idea that context is king. Being fully aware that solid biblical foundations and a solid theological construct, that's a framework is the, the word there, will ensure that we are growing and developing into fully devoted disciples and passionate followers of Jesus. So I know it's a lot of words there, but what we're saying is that we want strong foundations, strong theological underpinnings, so that when we learn, when we grow, then we have a safe environment to experiment and grow and learn, almost like a lab class. It's what I call our life group on Tuesday nights. It's a lab class. And so, uh, number four, I have five of these. We must recognize that we have interpreted the Bible from a limited and skewed religious worldview. That's a lot right there. That's, that's packed. There's some layers there. And that, and that where we are today is not where God wants us to stay. I want to say that. God wants us to grow. He's always increasing our capacity for more. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word, by the message of Christ, by the Gospel. Faith comes by. There's an expansion. There's a principle of growth, expansion, and increase that's at work in your life right now. Do not settle into the hammock in which you're swinging in right now theologically. Don't get too comfortable unless you don't want to grow. So if you're swinging in a theological hammock, God has a way of coming up and and tipping it over, right? And uh, dumping you out on the ground. So, in love, of course. Skewed religious worldview that where we are today is not where God wants us to stay. We are to always be ever learning, ever growing, and unafraid to question where we have been with a mindset of growth, expansion, and understanding. There is always more to learn. And so, no matter how far along we are on this journey... There is more. And again, the word revelation is a good word for you to know, and it literally means to peel back layer by layer by layer. And uh, it's the difference between cutting an onion and peeling an onion. You're getting each layer individually. And the, the Scripture is such an amazing piece. It is stacked with truth. Stacked. Layers upon layer. And so it's not like something that you can use up and you wear out and then say, like, oh, I've got all this. I've read this ten times. And No, you're, you, you may have read it ten times, but you don't know it. And it, as it gets to know you, you know it, and it's an amazing thing. So that first statement is really important because I, this is me. I have to recognize that I've interpreted the Bible from a limited and skewed religious worldview. Because where I was five years ago, seven, ten years ago, is different from where I'm at now. And so if you're growing, your perspective and your perception is ever-changing. 
Because as you move, as you grow, you now get a different angle on everything you thought. If you're willing to learn and say, Lord, teach me, Holy Spirit, teach me. What do you want me to learn? If you're open to that, He delights in teaching His sons and daughters. He loves us that much. He loves you that much. And so let's come with an open mind and say, Lord, teach me. I don't have this thing figured out. Show me. And I've had a lot of people since two Wednesday nights ago say, the things you showed us in the Bible, I've never even seen before, and I know I've read over those scriptures. I said, that's the spirit of revelation at work. He revealed something to you. Has that ever happened to you? You might have read it a, you know, a dozen times, and all of a sudden, that 13th time, it just comes to life. You're like, why didn't I see that before? Well, it wasn't time to see that, maybe. Or maybe there was something blocking. So the last one, never forget the Holy Spirit is a gentleman whose function is to reveal Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. He will not, typo, I wrote this at a restaurant in San Antonio today, he will not force you, I don't know, maybe he will, he will not, that could probably go either way, he will, it is my life, he will not force you to go where you choose not to go, he won't violate your will, he loves you, but he's given you this great gift called choice, and he doesn't violate it, because he wants lovers who love him, not who want him for what he has, but who really want him. No yeah, that's right. No slaves. It's, he now call you friends. He will, force, he will not force you to go where you choose not to go, but he invites you. Boy, as we're getting to the end of that. He invites you into a life of adventure, excitement, and joy. And uh, that's it. A life of adventure. Here's the thing. When you come to him like many of you are really doing right now, where you're saying, you know, I don't have it all figured out. And I think the way I grew up, I'm thankful for my heritage, but you know what? I'm at a point in my life where I don't want to be limited by that anymore. Grateful for it. Thank you for the foundations that we have. Whatever tradition you came out of, or however you ended up here, uh, and we come from very, very traditions, we want to be grateful for those traditions, grateful for our heritage. Never put our heritage down but also recognizing that, that even that was a limited viewpoint. But we're not there anymore. Hopefully we're growing up, amen? We're growing up into all things, into Christ. That's the goal, maturity. So we're on our way and we're doing that. So we're going to talk about the grace gift of tongues. Now, I'm going to be specific tonight because of this time constraints, and we'll have another opportunity to talk more about the spiritual gift of tongues that's found in Corinthians chapter 12. It's a list of nine what's called manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're not going there tonight. We're going to go more toward what many of you have asked me about personally and have said, this is something I desire, but I've never been able to embrace it for some reason. So that must not be for me. I'm telling you, it is for you. It is for everybody, and we'll show you that in the Scriptures. So we're going to talk about this thing that's become mysterious to many, but it's really not, and that is a prayer language. I'll tell a little bit of my own story as well. And so, uh, the grace gift, the reason I'm using that word grace gift, I'm distinguishing it from the gift of tongues that you read in that, which is more of a public proclamation. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 14. So as you have your 
your scripture in 19. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians 14 as well. So find your spot there, mark it, put your thumb there, whatever, uh, because we are going to go there. So we're going to hit the ground running. I'm going to real quickly talk about Acts 19, and then we'll move on through this. So a couple of things as we get started. Uh, This is important. The Bible clearly speaks of tongues in two ways. Number one, there is a gift of tongues, and I identified that. One of the manifestational gifts, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I just said that. Which is, and here's what it is, it's a message from God that is to be interpreted to the church for edification. The word edification simply means building up. To build up the body so that everybody can benefit depending on your church tradition. Some have seen it, some have not. Some have experienced it, some have not. But I've been in churches where it might not be uncommon for during a given time of the worship service, someone will stand up and speak in a language, in a tongue. And they'll give a word in it, and then someone within the congregation would actually interpret that word. And as they interpreted that word... Uh, we were edified, we were encouraged, and we were like, that is a, that's got to be a word from God, because my heart is, I, I've, I've got a tuning fork going off in my chest. That just, that resonates. And so I've been in those scenarios. I've also been in other scenarios where a similar thing would happen, but there were unbelievers in the room. There were new people in the room. There were people who were guests and visitors, and that created an unsafe boundary for them, an unsafe place for them with no boundaries. And so we're going to clarify what the scriptures say because there were some issues going on in the Corinthian church. If you know anything about the Corinthian church, there were a lot of issues going on in that church. People say, we want to go back to the first century. Like, you, know, you need to read the book of Corinthians. You don't want to go back there. It was a mess. And uh, so, but Paul had to bring a lot of clarity because things were just getting out of hand. 1 Corinthians 14 is a great clarifier passage on the use of prophecy, tongues, two types of tongues. So, number one, first one, is the gift of tongues. That's the public proclamation. Um, Is that what happened in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19? Is that what happened there? I don't believe that is. They were glorifying and praising God because of the introduction of the Holy Spirit. It was a spontaneous response. It was, it was I think they were so full and so whelmed over, because that's what the word baptized means, to be whelmed over, that I think they were just exploding with grace. So is there a third type? You know, we can split hairs on this thing, but just say, Wow. This is amazing because that's what will happen. So, but when you see where Paul actually goes in and teaches, he distinguishes two types. So uh, the second paragraph there, the Bible also teaches there is, number two, a grace gift, and that's what we're going to be talking more about, of tongues, which is a prayer language, not from God, and I bolded that, if you can tell, not from God, but to God. Okay, the other one is from God. It's a message, like a prophetic proclamation from God But this is different. This is actually not from God. It's a prayer language not from God, but to God because it's coming out of your own spirit. And we'll see that. Steve, let me keep rolling, please. I know you're going to have great insight on this, but I'm going to keep keep pedaling. I'm pedaling as fast as I can. So, um, grace gift from tongues is prayer language not from, but to God. Every believer has, this is where people get tripped up. Every believer has capacity. 
and the potential to pray in a prayer language, in prayer. And I've led many, many people into this who I would have, you would have thought would never do that. But once they knew the truth, they realized, oh, this is that. Oh, it's not that complicated. Oh, it's not scary. So it's interesting how the enemy has so tripped us up on some things. Again, always blocking the things we need the most. And uh, so we'll, we'll dive into Scripture and we'll, we'll go from there. So let's go back to Acts chapter 19 real quick. This is where the Spirit, and this is what actually was the catalyst for this conversation. And it happened while Paul, Paul passed through the inland country, came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no. We've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them. So here's, here's where we see this come up. And this is what precipitated what we're doing tonight. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. Remember, that's that word epi, upon. Came on them, upon them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. It's interesting, the two things that happened here as a manifestation of the presence of God, the word manifest means to come into being, come into sight. That which was hidden is now revealed. So this manifestation of tongues and prophecy is the very thing that Paul deals with in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So we're going to connect the dots between that where Paul later comes back and says, let me tell you what's going on here. Okay, wow, yes, but I'm going to give you some how too because sometimes it helps to know a little bit of that as well. So that's the passage that precipitated where we're going. So now we're going to go to 1 Corinthians and I'll try to designate what translation I'm reading out of. So uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, and let me see if there was anything I wanted to go in. So here's what happened. I've actually got two messages tonight. I did a deep dive study, and it took me one direction. Then today, I was over in San Antonio, and that was meeting with somebody. We had a meeting, and while I had about an hour and a half downtime, I mean, I just got a complete download from another direction. So I don't know if I'm going to try to merge this, so it's not going to be pretty tonight, okay? I'm just telling you. This isn't going to be slick. So uh, we're just going to kind of dive in, move through it, wade through it a little bit. So here we are, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Remember, 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. Remember, love is patient, love is kind. We do weddings, we use that all the time. So, but that, he was giving some clarity and talking about love is over everything. And uh, so now he moves into where he does some clarifying because their worship services were completely out of whack. And so he's like, we, we've got to give some form to this. So here we are, 1 Corinthians 14. He's going to address the two things that happened in Acts 19 when the Spirit whelmed them over. So let love be your highest goal. He's, he's bouncing right out of chapter 13. Also know this. Do you know that when the Bible was written in original language, there was not punctuation? So one thing right into another. We... We've chopped it up like, a, like an old 1950s-style house where it's got little rooms and still has a formal living room and a formal breakfast nook, and you know, we've chopped that up. But we've chopped the Scripture up, too, and sometimes with punctuation that may not always necessarily be right, and it wasn't in the original text. So we're going to show you how that can actually accentuate and help your reading of the Scripture by we'll read some things and we'll, we'll take out 
the punctuation, and it will actually transform the way you see the passage. Let love be your highest goal. He's coming right out of the love. Let love be your highest goal. He's continuing the thought. But, now here's the thing that's really critical. The conjunction that's used for but is over 2,700 times in the Bible. That conjunction. But, (laughs) however, over 90% of the time it is translated as and. So our English translators will go back and forth. Some of the newer translations, like the ESV, will oftentimes use and instead of but. You think, well, that doesn't really make a difference. Actually, it does. Because if I'm talking to you and I say, you know, I really love you, but what happens? You go, ah, you feel creepy all of a sudden. But if I was to say, I really love you and, is that different? Does it have a different connotation, a different feel? It does, doesn't it? And so we're going to do some of that with the Scripture because it really does help enhance, and it is accurate uh, biblical interpretation. So let love be your highest goal, and you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. So he starts the chapter by talking about prophecy. Now, prophecy has a couple of elements, but I'm going to give you the super basic. I've mentioned this in here before, but we've all slipped since then. So prophecy is two levels. It can be forthtelling and foretelling. Forthtelling is one that we're much more, especially in conservative circles, we're much more familiar with, and that's the preaching of the gospel, the speaking, the declaring forth of truth. All right? Now, that's, that happens. It happens here. It happened there, but there's another element of prophecy, which is also foretelling. It is actually being seeing into, behind and into, what God is up to down the road. So there's both. So somebody can say, may come to you, this may or may not have ever happened to you. I'm like a magnet for this stuff. So my son will always say, every time y'all show up, somebody comes and prophesies over you. But it's literally like somebody may come to you and say, hey, uh, Jimmy, I've, I've got a word for you. Mind if I share that with you? I think God may be saying something. Absolutely, bring it on. Well, you know, I sense that God's up to this. And then boom, 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 boom. And then time tells. Now, I don't change my life over that like it's a blueprint, but I do, it perks my ears up to watch for his activity in my life. And I've watched through the years. I have them recorded. I have them recorded on my phone. Somebody comes up to me, I go, excuse me, let me get my phone out. I mean, I will record it because I'm going to treat that as valuable and important because if it's the word of the Lord, then it's the word of the Lord. And so I always want to treat that with, with, with kid gloves, with honor. So special abilities. Now that's in the New Living. Now look at the ESV. Pursue love. By the way, the word pursue means to pursue as in to overtake. I mean, it's like a, it's like a linebacker running you down. It, it means to pursue and capture. So he says, pursue love, go after it, grab hold of it, seize it. He says, and earnestly desire. And that word there, the word desire, that means intense. It is an intense word. It means to go after, to apprehend. It means to covet even. It even has a negative, or what we would relate to in a negative way, but it actually means to go after with everything you have. Earnestly desire, you chase, you pursue You apprehend the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So he sets it up. So I'm going to keep moving. So here's I'm going to give a couple of ones, and this is the part that gets a little messy. We need to understand that the gift of speaking in tongues in a prayer language, first of all, it's Bible 
I didn't write it. Can I just clarify that for you? Lest you think, oh, where are we going? We're going where the Bible goes. Let's do the Bible. Let's be biblical. And so it's scriptural. Now, I don't know about you, I want to be a person of the Bible, and I don't want to be afraid of any of it, because it's God's Word to us. Now, if you believe that, then we don't need to be afraid. What's interesting, though, some of you will actually have a visceral reaction even as we read the Scripture. You will. I mean, because that religious thing in you starts to throw up resistance. And you know what you need to do? You need to tell that religious thing to get out of the way. You say, in the name of Jesus, I'm not there. No, no, no. My heart is open to what God has for me. Everything he has for me, nothing less, nothing more. Okay? So look at this. He clarifies. Remember, it's scriptural. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. Now, for people who say, well, that, that doesn't exist. Or that, no, no, he's actually saying one who does. I mean, he's establishing precedent here because he's already acknowledging this is happening. They're doing it. And he also validates it by talking, by saying, one who speaks in a tongue speaks to God. So, you're not talking to each other, you're saying something to God. Now, look what he says. For no one understands him, including the one saying it. See, this is the mystery piece where you better have a big mystery bag ready to go, or you're going to get real tripped up over this. For no one understands him. Now, some of you may even have an objection in your mind saying, well, then what's the point? Well, we're going to let the Bible tell us what the point is. So, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. So he's declaring, uttering, saying things. Here's what I always have said about prayer language is it's the best way to bypass your brain. And the reason I like that is because when you bypass, my, I don't know about your brain, my brain wants to stop my prayers coming from the heart and the spirit, and say, wait, I need to add something to that. Wait, I need, to, I need to help God with that. So I need to let God know how I want that answered. I need to help God with the timing on this. I need to qualify. What, am I the only human who does that? So a lot of times my brain will actually stop what my heart and my spirit's trying to get to God, and I get in the way. And I've learned the value of being able to pray in, from the spirit to get my brain out of the way so that my spirit can pray the will of God. So we'll talk more about that as we go along. Now, when we pray in tongues, we're speaking to God in the spirit. Scripture over and over will substantiate that, but we're going to keep moving. So, uh, again, uh, chapter 2 in the New Living, for if you have the, I like the way he says this, the translator's here, for if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God since people won't be able to understand you. Now, that's very clear. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will, be, it will all be mysterious. So it's the power of the Spirit working in and through you, having a convert, communion with, common union with God Himself. And again, it's going to be mysterious because you won't understand it. What? Who told us that we need to understand everything we're doing? Who, who told us we need to know everything? There's a point where there's a reason why what we are a part of is called the faith. Listen to me. It's called the faith. Because sometimes we have to walk by what? Faith. So it is the faith. And that means stepping out into what you do not know, but fully trusting Him. 
The one who you're persuaded in. And saying, you know what, I trust you so much. And we'll talk about some of, the, some of the resistance that we sometimes will get around this topic. And some I've even given out where I'm just so afraid that if I just free myself that much and I just let something come out of me that I don't know what it is and I'm not in control, what if I cuss God in Swahili? I'm telling you, that's a legitimate fear. Is The enemy may make me say something that's blasphemous to God or against God. Am I the only one that's ever thought that? I was taught that. I was, I was taught it. I was told it. And then my own fears of, I, wanna, I want everything God has for me, nothing more, nothing less, but I'm afraid. I'm scared I'll do something because I can't control it. We'll talk more about that as we go along. So I, I, wanna, I want you to know I've been there with you on that, if that's something that you feel resistance with. And uh, by the way, this is, this is a gift. This, is, this isn't something you have to do. But we are going to talk about the benefit of what it is and what it produces in your life. And I think when you hear what it produces, you might go, yeah, I think I do want. Uh, I want to go deeper. So let's keep going. So the first thing was, is that it's scriptural. The second thing is, is it's a benefit. The Lord loves us so much that He gives us benefits. He, he brings things to us because He loves His children. So, 1 Corinthians 14, 3 and 4, New Living Translation again. Love the clarity on this. And it says this, But one who prophesies, remember we just talked about one who speaks in a tongue, speaks mysteries, doesn't understand, speaks to God. But one who prophesies, so he's going to compare prophecy and tongues, strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. That's my rule of thumb, by the way, for a prophetic word. When somebody comes to me and says, Pastor Jimmy, I have a, I have a word for you. Uh, God wants you to know that the devil's crouching at your door. And you need to be really careful because uh, there's eight deer you're going to have to navigate on the way home. I mean, when people bring that kind of stuff to me, I just say, I put it up against the New Testament, the New Covenant. And I put it up and I say, as a template, it, did that encourage me? Did that build me up? Did it, did it uh, comfort me? Did it strengthen me in any way? Other translations say edify means to build. Did that build me up? No, actually it put fear in me. Actually it made me paranoid. Now I'm afraid to drive home. Now I'm afraid that when I wake up in the morning, the enemy's going to be by my bedside just waiting for me to... You know what I mean? It, it actually imparts and instills fear. It doesn't fit the template for what prophecy is supposed to be in the New, Te in New Testament, New Covenant, and in the body of Christ. And trust me, I, in 35 years of doing this, I've heard it all. Well, no, no, no. Whoa, sorry, Lord, I did not mean that. About the time you say that, right? I've heard a lot, and stuff that would just make you go, really? Um, so there's the template right now. Somebody brings a word to you, and it doesn't line up with that, then you can just say, you know what, hey, thank you so much. And when, they, when you walk off, just turn your hands over like that and just keep going. So, a person, verse 4, who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. Okay? It builds you up. When you, this is a benefit. When you speak in tongues, it's what it says, when, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. I don't know about you, I, I, I'm not as strong as I'm going to be. I haven't arrived, have you? I mean, for my age, I'm in decent shape, but I'm not anywhere near where I could be spiritually. So I need to continue to be built up, and now I'm being given a benefit 
that a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. I don't know about you, I want to be strengthened. But, remember what but means also? And, and one who speaks a word of prophecy, remember foretelling and foretelling, strengthens the entire church. Why? Because the church understands what they're saying. Because if you're speaking in tongues, you're speaking to God, not to men. And he's, so he's comparing and contrasting them. But notice, if you change the word but to and, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, and one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. Paul's saying these are both good and beneficial. There's benefit to both. Jude 1.20 is, I, I used the older NIV out of this because I love the way it reads, has been a really encouraging verse in my life in regards to praying in the Spirit. And that's another word or phrase that Paul uses. He'll say praying with the Spirit, praying in the Spirit. Uh, he'll use that same terminology. It all comes back to this idea of speaking in an unknown language, an unknown tongue. Verse 20, let's get this out of the book of Jude. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. He's saying when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you're actually building yourself up. He's echoing the same thing Paul just said. That when you pray in a tongue, you're strengthening yourself. It's like going to the gym spiritually. It's like bodybuilding for your spirit. I don't know about you, I'm not near where I want to be. And I know I'm not near where I'm going to be. But I also praise God I'm not where I used to be. And on this journey... I will lean into my prayer language because I know what it does for me inside. It builds me up on my most holy faith. And so that's Jude 1.20. I encourage you, write these down, take pictures of slides, and study, dive in, and say, Holy Spirit, teach me. So don't just take my word. Let's go with the word on this. All right, moving along. 1 Corinthians 14.5, continuing through. Here's what Paul says. I'm just going to quote the Bible and I'll leave it there just for a moment. I wish you could all speak in tongues. This is a dramatic pause, if you hadn't noticed. Some people will use this verse to diminish the value of tongues because he, his next statement exalts prophecy, the declaration. He'll later tell us why he's exalting prophecy in regards to the church, because he's talking in the context, context is king, of a worship environment, a church service, a church body. So he's going to clarify that. But in that context, context is king, where he's giving clarity to how a worship service should function and how we should function when we come together. He's saying, I wish you could all speak in tongues. What he's saying is, you're not all speaking in tongues, but some are. He even talks about himself later. But even more, I wish you could all prophesy. In other words, you could encourage one another, speak life over one another. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues. But here's the thing. It doesn't diminish speaking in tongues. It's just greater than because the whole body benefits. The speaking in tongues piece is a personal piece. Let me reiterate that. It is a personal piece. Paul will be very clear about that as we go through this passage, that it is personal. It is for you, between you and God. Remember, for building yourself up on your most holy faith, building you up personally. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues, and then he makes a clarifier. Unless, now he moves from that personal prayer language, that between you and God, 
he moves to the gift that he referred to in, in chapter 12. Unless someone interprets what you were saying so that the whole church will be strengthened. Okay? So he clarifies. You've got the prayer language, and then he says, unless someone interprets, in other words, if there's an interpretation and someone has the gift of tongues, not just a prayer language, but the gift, the spiritual gift of the manifestation of tongues, and then there's somebody there who can interpret it. Now, there will be another qualifier later in the passage, which is massive. And it's one that gets violated a lot and throws all of this off. That's why the enemy loves to leverage mistakes. So he says, unless someone interprets what you're saying, so that the whole church will be strengthened. Because if it now comes into a language we can understand, then it's, we can go, oh, wow, that was a word from God. That's awesome. I'm really encouraged by that. So, moving along. Dear brothers and sisters, if I should come to you speaking in an unknown language, how would that help you? So now he's, again, clarifying. But if I bring you a revelation or some special knowledge or prophecy or teaching, that will be helpful. Why? Because one of them is in an unknown language, the other one is in the known language. You can hear it. You go, oh, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. encourages me. He says, so he's just, again, setting it up. When you read it slow, laboriously, and intentionally, it starts to make sense. And you'll see all the clarification as we go. That's why I like the New Living Translation for this particular passage. Verse 7, Paul continuing, Even lifeless instruments like the flute or the harp must play the notes clearly or no one will recognize the melody. Very clear. And if the, if the bugler doesn't sound a clear call, how will the soldiers know they are being called to battle? He's just giving ex- examples. Verse 9, it's the same for you. If you speak to people in words they don't understand, how will they know what you are saying? You might as well be talking to air, to empty space. And this is where, this is one clarifier he gives for in the public arena. And he'll even go deeper with that in a minute. But in the public arena, this is where those of you we who already have a private prayer language, a personal prayer language. This is, this is not the place to do that out loud. I want to be real clear about this, and I'm going to help with the boundary here. Because what will happen is, you'll be with somebody who later he'll identify as someone who doesn't understand, or someone who's an unbeliever. And they'll think you're crazy. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. I'm quoting the Bible there. They will think you're crazy. Now, I don't know about you, but it is not my goal to represent Jesus by making people think I'm crazy. So I will tell you, believing believers, right here in this teaching context, I have a personal prayer language I exercise every day. And by the way, it's an act of my will to do it. It doesn't just bubble up out of my belly. It is something that I actively actively do. Why? Because it builds me up on my most holy faith. Inside out. So, uh, but I want to be clear, you will not hear me publicly speak in tongues. Because it's my prayer language. It's between me and God. You say, well, that just sounds crazy. It's just, it's just gibberish. Well, when my daughter Faith was about one, everything she said was gibberish. But it was so cute. <laughs> I didn't care if I understood what she was saying. 
It was so dark. I even have a video of her barking like a dog because there was a dog next door barking, and she was mimicking the dog. And she said, it's just so cute. I didn't understand a word she said, but here's the weird thing about it as a parent. Maybe I didn't understand what she was saying, but I understood what she wanted and what she needed, even if I didn't understand the words in, in English. Over time, her language developed. It got clearer. She mimicked our words and began to get clearer and more. Then we began to communicate at a deeper level. But you know what? I never thought to myself, that stupid kid, just gibberish and mumbling and, oh, why can't they just... No, I'm a daddy whose baby was trying to communicate with me. And I'm telling you, there was a heart connection there. It's deep. When we speak from our spirit, that's the purest part of who we are. It's the part that is not defiled. It's not the earth suit part. It's something that is it's, it's indescribable. It's the Imago Dei. It's the image of God in us. It's the Elohim element inside of us. And when we speak out of that place, it is so pure. And it is so childlike. Remember Jesus said, unless you become like a child, you will in no wise inherit the king. Why? What do you mean? Chi- not childish, childlike. Childlike in the sense that it's trusting and fully open to God. No fear. No hindrances. And out of that pure place, when we release our physical tongue to give expression to that which is deep inside, God just looks and goes, that's my boy. That's my girl. And something comes out of it. It's deep, calling into deep. It's beautiful. It's the same for you. He says, look, if you speak to people in words they don't understand, how will they know what you're saying? You might as well be talking to empty space. He says, there are many different languages in the world. Okay, let's clarify that. There are a lot of different languages, and every language has meaning to certain people, right? Verse 11. But if I don't understand a language, I will be a foreigner to someone who speaks it. And the one who speaks it will be a foreigner to me. That's why if you're in a setting, in a public setting, and someone's speaking in tongues over here, and they're kind of just indulging themselves, they, what they don't get is that they have just excluded everybody else. And others are there either feeling uncomfortable or awkward or even afraid. They don't understand that. And again... Paul will clarify that, but he's saying the same thing over and over. He's saying, if you don't speak with understanding, we won't be built up. We will not be edified. We will not be helped. So, he says, if you don't understand it, I'll be a foreigner. Now, and the same is true for you. Since you are so eager to have the special abilities, the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts or the abilities the Spirit seeks, he says, uh, seek those gifts those abilities that will strengthen the whole church. So your private prayer language is not one of those, which is why it needs to be between you and God. Okay? Now, Paul's saying it, and he's going to say it even stronger in a minute. So anyone who speaks in tongues should pray also for the ability to interpret what has been said. And here's the thing. Paul is bouncing back and forth. He's bouncing back and forth between a private prayer language and a declarative language. The the gift of tongues and the grace gift of a prayer language. 
back and forth. It's hard to delineate that. You've got to track with his thinking. It's not unusual for Paul to go all over the map with theologically. So he says, so if anyone speaks in tongues, they should also pray, they should pray also for the ability to interpret what has been said. Why would he do that? Why should you want to interpret a tongue that's being spoken out loud? Exactly. Paul is saying that from 30 angles through this whole passage. The same thing. That if it's not interpreted, it won't edify or build up or bless all of those present. So he's setting something up, and he's going to drop a bomb on us in a minute. He says, you should pray also interpret. Verse 14. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying. Remember I just said that? Out of that deepest place of who you are, out of the core of your being, that purest place, your spirit's praying. Who doesn't want their spirit to have freedom to be released to pray? Oh my gosh, that's the beauty of having a prayer language is that you realize, I've just checked my flesh out. Flesh is gone. No one's home. It is now the spirit calling out to spirit. It's beautiful. So look, look what it says. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit out of my core, the purest place, is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. Now, to rationalists, which we Westerners are, that's a mind blower. To, to a Hebrew, a Jewish person, they're going, that's awesome. Wow. That's amazing. It's beautiful. They'll see it as beautiful. We see it as complicated, complex. I've got to figure it out. I need to dissect this thing like a fetal pig on a tray. I've got to just see all the parts. Take it apart. That's Western. We're Greek thinkers. We're Greek influence in our thinking. Take everything apart. Let's destroy it so we can understand it. Did you hear what I said? Take it all apart, destroy it, so we can somehow understand it. But after we've destroyed it, it's lost its integrity. It's, lost its, it's not integrated anymore. It's not beautiful anymore. He's saying at face value, this is what's going on. If I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. And our response to that should be, wow. wow. Just Wow. Just, well, take it out of, the, out of the dish, out of the tray, and just let it be a pig <laughs> instead of something going to hack up into a million pieces to try to understand. Now, the third thing, it's a choice. All right? Just, just moving right through this. So I put this statement here because I think it's really important. You may say, well, I don't have that gift. I don't have the, I've not been given that gift. However... This prayer language is not the manifestational gift. That's 1 Corinthians 12. It's a grace gift available to all believers. It's funny, when we, when we think in these terms, uh, I don't have that gift. But that, that's like saying, well, um, uh, I don't have the gift of giving, but then you walk by an offering plate and a check pops out of your pocket and lands in the plate. I've been given the gift. As though you had no control whatsoever. And what, what I want to say about that is real important. The gift of speaking in tongues, this grace gift, is something that is an act of your will and an act of volition. You're not going to go into HEB, grab the intercom mic, and just all of a sudden, uncontrollably begin to give a word in tongues. Why? Because it's subject to your spirit. And some people are so afraid because it's been taught in some circles that, you know, you just need to let it bubble up out of your belly. It's all Him. It's just going to flow. You're going to get into a flow. 
And, I, and, and let me tell you, what that says to me is that suddenly it's no longer a choice. Suddenly it's no longer an act of the will or volition. That suddenly you're so completely possessed and overcome. That's where I think it gets weird. Because Paul is very clear, it's a choice. And he's going he's to identify that for us. Paul tells us this in 1 Corinthians 14. We're moving right along, 14. For if I, if I pray in a tongue, right there predicates choice. If I can, I, if I do, if I don't. Choice. If I do pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. Remember that purest part. My spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Okay? I don't get it. He's saying this same thing over and over from every possible angle. So he says, what am I to do? So what am I going to do? He says, here's what I'm going to do. I will. When you hear the words, I will, it means I choose. It's my choice. It's something I do intentionally on purpose. So I will. He says, I will pray with my spirit. All right? He says, I'm not going to understand it, but I'm going to pray with it. But how about and? Because that's the right word too as well. That's a, con that's a conjunction. I will pray with my spirit and I will pray with my mind. There's I will again. I choose to pray with my spirit and I will choose to pray with my mind or my understanding. Also, I will again sing praise with my spirit and or but. I will sing with my mind also. He says, I'm going to make a choice here. I'm going to do it in the spirit. I'm going to do it in my mind and understanding. In the spirit, my mind and understanding. In other words, it's a choice. It's an act of the will. It's a volitional. Now, verse 15, New Living Translation, tracking back through this. Well then, what shall I do? It's the same verse, but in the New Living Translation now. I will pray in the Spirit, and I will also, and, New Living Translation, and, and I will also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the Spirit, and I will also speak, sing in words I understand. Paul is making a choice here, and he's saying, as an act of my will, I choose to do this. The beauty of it is, as an act of your will, you too can choose to do this. Some of you are sitting here, you want to know how right now instead of wow. You're like, well, how? Okay, you're saying all this, but how? Well, we'll talk about that later. 1 Corinthians 14, now this is now 16, 17. I underline this because I want to give clarity to this. He says, for if... You praise God only in the Spirit. What does that mean in the Spirit? Say it out loud. Tongues. Tongues. Okay. That hurts some of you to even just say it, get it on your lips because that fear is still... I can feel a resistance in the room. So, remember, I did not write this. And some would say, well, Paul wrote it. Well, actually, the Holy Spirit wrote it through Paul. It's inspired. Do we believe the Bible is the Word of God? If you don't, it's a whole different conversation. But if, but if we're here together and we believe that this is the Word of God to us, then, then let's lean into this is the Word of God for us. The Word of God to us, but also the Word of God for us. So I didn't write this. I'm just reading it out loud and slowing it down so that we don't blow through this to check our, our box on our version Bible. This is like literally saying, let's take a moment and really ponder this. So if you praise God only in the Spirit, how can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? Again, is he not saying this from 30 angles? The same thing over and over. How can they join you in giving thanks when they don't understand what you're saying? 
you will be giving thanks very well, but it won't strengthen or edify or build up the people who hear you. Now, some have made a case for some of these scriptures say, well, then, he, then we shouldn't do it at all. Oh, no, at the end of the chapter, he'll talk in terms of not forbidding to speak in tongues. So, I mean, it, I didn't write it. Are we people of the scripture? If we are, let's go with the word. Even if it's, even if it's difficult. We need to continue to traffic through this. You will be giving thanks, but won't be strengthened. It won't strengthen everybody. And then look what Paul says. Look what Paul says. Not what Jimmy says. Not when somebody you heard say. But this is what Paul says. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. If you are of that mindset that those tongue-talking freaks... I don't want anything to do with them, then you're going to have to ditch about a third of the New Testament. Because Paul is one of them. If that makes you a little bit uncomfortable, that's okay. Just say, wow. I'll take that. If, that, if you feel this coming to a choke point in you, again, I'm completely okay with you arguing with the author of this word. Because he can handle it. In fact, I don't have to prove any of this. I'm just reading it. Paul's saying, I thank God Paul is one of them. One of those scary people. <laughs> this is the greatest apostle ever lived. This is the apostle Paul. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. Now, it says but, but what can it also say? Also, there's not a period there after you. So let's read it like it's, like it's in the Greek. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. And in a church meeting, I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in a tongue, in an unknown language. Again, Paul bringing balance and clarity to this amazing grace gift. This gift is for you. So that you can be built up. And my question for you right now is, who doesn't want to be built up more? To say you don't want to be built up is to say, I, I choose that I will cease to grow. I've already arrived. Pastor Jimmy, I appreciate that, but I'm already, I'm good. That's a scary statement. I'm good. I'm I'm happy. I'm content. That's a scary place to be. So he says, I thank God that I speak in tongues. But in a church meeting, I'd he says, but when we're together like this, that's not the time to go off in my prayer language. Or walking down a mall. Crazy lady. <laughs> then Annette needed inner healing over it as a child, so. Yeah. yeah. So you have to understand what Annette and I have trafficked in through the years have been so many different pools and streams that what I've come to do is love and adore every one of them. Because the tapestry that God's weaving in the body of Christ doesn't mean we have to all be the same. Unity doesn't mean conformity. 
Unity's in spirit and will and heart and unified on what matters. But to get in a fight over stuff like this, to dig our heels in and say, if you do that, I will not fellowship with you. Who wouldn't want to talk a love language to God? You know what I mean? To get personal. Exactly. Who, what, what, he said, who wouldn't want to speak or talk a love language to God and get closer to Him? Yes, Coach. Right, coach. Unburdening our thoughts and being free from all the things that tangle us up while we're trying to pray and worship. And I'm, I, so oftentimes I'm going, God, I don't even know what I'm trying to say right now. Mm-hmm. Right. And yes. it finally kind of makes sense to yeah. me that you just tied those two loose Amen. ends together. That my spirit is the only thing, because it comes from God, is the only thing that can discern those things and speak them back to God. That that's right. That's the, that's the joy of bypassing. He's given us our mind, right? I mean, we're so grateful. But there are times when He wants to communicate spirit to spirit. And this is that. This is that opportunity to do that. And so, notice our time. I'm sorry I didn't look at our time. So we're going to land the plane here. What? Well, for a minute. I, mean, I, want, I, don't want, I want to respect your time. But great, Coach. Thank you for saying that because that is exactly true. The mind cannot comprehend. Even there's a peace that that's, goes beyond our comprehension. We can't even comprehend peace, much less some of the deeper elements of the spirit. So, but our spirit can. That's why I contend that you should read the Bible even if you don't understand it, because your spirit's getting it. Okay, I don't get it up here, but oh, you're getting it here. And someday that'll bring forth a harvest. It's like seed going into soil. So you're not wasting time. If you're reading something that you don't understand. Yes? Well, we don't always have that mind-body connection. I mean, how many times have you been in such, or I've been in such distress in my spirit over something that I can't figure it out in my yeah. head. Mm-hmm. And that's the time where the spirit is able to communicate and make him groaning yeah. or whatever. Yeah, in fact... Let me, let me land the plane with a story, then we'll pick up next week. Because we're not, the goal is not to finish. The goal is to learn. Next week, are you going to keep going? Yes. Yes, we're going to keep going. So let me end with this. Uh, I took a group of students down to, some of you have heard this, but some of you haven't. I took a group of students, 14, down to um, uh, Los Angeles. Went down to uh, a lovely area called Echo Park and MacArthur Park. And... Uh, it's like every bad movie, cop movie you've ever seen, it's usually shot in those, in those neighborhoods. And that really is where the, there's over 100,000 homeless population that live on those streets and in that area. So there's a great ministry down there called Center for Student Missions, CSM. So we got connected with them. We loaded up a couple of vans. I took 14 students down there, spent a weekend down in that area. We slept in an old church. We... we fed the homeless, but one of the things they had us do, they wanted to take us on a prayer tour that Friday night, that first night we were there. 
So we're in Los Angeles. I, was from, I knew where we were, and, and I told the students, I said, you may see some stuff. It's going to be a little bit. We told their parents, your kids are going to see some stuff. You know, we're, but they will be safe because all the people down there, the crooks, criminals, everybody, uh, knew that if it was a CSM van, don't touch it because they're, they're, they're a blessing. And so they were very, you're safe with them. But they do a thing called a prayer tour. So for two hours, we drove around in a van, and they were driving down alleys and through back places. And we were seeing things that when we see it on TV, it's done up a lot nicer. When you see it in real life, you realize how dark things are. And it was just within literally moments, I was overwhelmed. with my, I ran out of words in a very short amount of time. English. So it's a prayer tour. So we're supposed to pray under our breath. Sometimes somebody out loud will spontaneously say, hey, Lord Jesus, bless that man who obviously just lost his foot or whatever. You know, It was unreal. And so within a few moments, the van is completely silent. Fourteen students, silent. We know that's an EDM, right? It's an everyday miracle <laughs> happening. Silence. And, uh, of course, the students that are the, or the staff, they, they know what's going on. But I realized spontaneously I was praying under my breath in a prayer language. I didn't think about it. I didn't say to myself, hey, I'm out of English. I have nothing to say, but something in me wants to get out, so I'm just going to pray in a prayer. I didn't think. It just happened. And so I'm just I'm speaking this tender language quietly under my breath, and it just dawns on me, oh, wow, I'm praying in the Spirit. So I turned to all the students in the van. I said, can I say something out loud? And, and we'd come to a stop or whatever. I said, how many of you here in the van, for the first time in your life, are praying in a language you don't know? Every hand in the van went up. All 14, and some of the staff from CSM. But they're used to that. They, they, that's the thing they do all the time. And I said, so real quickly, I just said to them, what that is is God has given you a, a prayer language because what we're seeing so overwhelmed our senses. It was so scary, so dark, so ugly, so horrible that there are not words in your vocabulary to capture it. And you feel like you're just fumbling over yourself and that what you're saying is not getting through the roof of the van. And you know something. And then what happens is the Lord, by His grace, remember, this, we call this a grace gift. By His grace, it's like He switches the brain off and up from the purest place, the Spirit, where deep cries, calls unto deep. And it, no effort, no, I'm going to make this happen. Oh, say this over and over, over and over. Bow tie my bow tie, bow tie my bow tie, bow tie. I mean, I've seen this stuff. Kickstart my Honda. Say it 70 times over and over. Kickstart my Honda. Kickstart my, I mean, you know, yeah. Trying to get people to say things, and then maybe it'll catch like a chainsaw getting started. Instead of trusting the gentleman, the Holy Spirit, to lead you into something, because your heart cry is to commune with your Father. And Coach, just like Coach said it so well, there comes a point where you realize this isn't from here to there, it's from here to here to there. And it becomes a beautiful thing. And what happens is, my experience, and so I, we're done. My experience, 
was that I got about three syllables. And I thought to myself, is this that? And then I thought, what if I say it and it's cussing in another line? I mean, literally, these thoughts occurred to me. What if I'm cussing? What if I'm cursing God? And then it occurred to me, God loves me so much. And that my heart is pure enough in the sense that I have to trust Him that if I'm off, He'll let me know. I trust Him on other things. Why wouldn't I trust Him on this? And so I leaned into it by faith. And very shyly, by myself, in my little study in Brownwood, Texas, I began to utter those syllables to the Lord. And at first, I didn't feel like a gusher of amazing power and surge of strength. I, was, I felt very self-conscious. I think I broke out in a sweat because all my religious fears were coming up and almost trying to choke me. And I just kept saying it. And then I just said, Lord, I'm going to do this by faith because the Bible says, I just read Corinthians 14, as I was doing this, I said, I'm earnestly desiring spiritual gifts, especially that I may prophesy, but Paul's made it clear that this is for me too. So I leaned into that, and I said, I'm going to do this by faith. And here's, it's different for everybody, not one size fits all, but for me, I, for me, it was like a baby learning a language. I, it didn't flow out of my belly. It, if it does for others, they say, oh, man, I just got it. And I'm like, wow, that's, you're awesome. I didn't. I got a couple of syllables, and I felt like an idiot saying it. I felt self-conscious. I felt like, what if this is just gibberish and doesn't mean a thing? Am I messing up? Am I making a mistake? Am I making it up? Yeah, am I making Is it just me? And so I leaned into about three syllables for about a month, every day. At the time, I had a 72 Volkswagen Beetle. I had to pray when I drove that little car, I'm telling you. It was bailing wire and duct tape holding that thing together. I just prayed that it would start. It was an everyday miracle to drive. But I was in college, and, and every day driving around Brownwood or going over to work or wherever I was serving in a church, you know, when I was driving around, I just started to, by faith, I said, Lord, this is by faith, isn't it? It's not by feeling. It never says a word through this whole passage about feeling something. Never. I didn't come to Jesus for salvation because I felt something. I came to Him because I needed something, and then I somehow knew something. But I didn't feel anything. Maybe you had a very emotional... I mean, you may, if you did, you're probably wired that way anyway. But we're not all wired that way. And so I had to come to him in pure faith, no feeling, no emotions. I didn't have an epiphany. There were no little baby angels flying around. Nothing happened other than just this very self-conscious, innocent moment of saying, Lord, I'm just going to do this by faith every day, every day. One day, I was invited to a meeting, and there were a bunch of other people that had prayer languages. They were letting it rip. But it wasn't like a public meeting. It was a closed. It was family. And I listened to them pray in their prayer language. And I didn't do this intentionally. But later when I was in my car driving and I started, okay, Lord, by faith, here I go again. If I'm off, stop me. I always had that caveat. Lord, disclaimer, Lord, if I'm messing up. Man, I was so afraid. 
I didn't have anybody coaching me along. And so I would, I would do it. And what I found is that I picked up some of the other language I was hearing. That's when it began to dawn on me. This is a language. We call it a language, but it actually is. And just like a baby or a child or maybe somebody coming from another country gets assimilated into our culture and they hear people speaking in English, they begin to pick up syllables and consonants and words and, oh, that means that. And suddenly they begin to have a language. And I found for me, and it took time, but it took me also activating as a choice, an act of my will to engage it. Now, I've talked to, you can talk to another group of people who say, oh, it just bubbled up out of my belly. You know, I had 15 Pentecostal women laying hands on me and praying over me and shouting at me, and it just, I just, I couldn't stop the flow. And I'm like, man, I'm glad that's your experience. I respect that, but that's not mine. And all I can relate to you tonight is my experience. And it was very elemental. It was very childish, childlike. It was very... Um, the build-up part didn't come till later. Initially, it was just an act of faith. But I told God I would follow Him and that I would be a man of the Word. And as a young preacher student, preacher boy, I was like, I'm either going to be a person of the Bible or I'm not. And if I'm going to get selective, I better start taking some scissors to this book. And so I couldn't ignore this. And then once, once I began to... It just began to develop, and then, it, and then it became so natural that I didn't even realize I was doing it when I'm driving around or in the shower or whatever. One moment I'm singing to Fog Hat, and the next morning, moment I'm praying in the Spirit. I, it, because it just became natural and just flowing out of me. Simple. Just simple. Plain, let me just say it, and we'll close. Plain, simple obedience. And an act of faith, and a choice that you make. Some of you are going, but how? I know you're thinking. And we'll talk about that next time we're together. Let's keep going. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We honor you in our heart as sons and daughters. We're not trying to create anything here. Lord, we're just, we just want to be biblical followers of Jesus. Sons and daughters, learning, growing. And Lord, in a safe place like this, experimenting, expanding our, our faith, increasing our capacity. Because at the end of the day, Lord, we, just, we want this, the spirit that we've talked about that is stuck in these earth suits, these bodies. We want to, at whatever level we can, release it to commune with you in a very pure way. So, Father, my prayer for all my friends here. Lord, would you release within them the grace gift of a personal, intimate prayer language that's personal to them, intimate to them, to you, so that, that they will experience this being built up on our most holy faith. Father, what's not of you, we never want, ever. But what is of you, we want all of it. Lord, forgive me where I have held back out of fear or out of disdain, where I have despised things that were a beautiful gift to others and yet I judged them. So Lord, give us grace.
give us grace to take a step, maybe just a baby step, but one more step in our growth experience in this journey. So I pray for my friends that even this week, you will minister to them in the deepest places and you will reveal things to them. Even as they read back through this passage, that you will speak to them in those deep places. And Father, maybe even this week, some here will find themselves uttering syllables and things that are new and fresh that they never thought they would and finding life and joy and grace in it. So we love you, Lord. Thank you for being our teacher. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. All right, we'll pick up where we left off. We'll keep going and we'll keep learning. Have a great week. By the way, one last thing. If you want to experiment in your shower or your car, here's the good news. We can't break anything. You're not going to break anything by trying something in faith. So just, I'll leave you with that. Have an amazing week.